Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. You know, I know without a doubt that Pastor is watching online. He's not feeling well tonight, and uh, we ask that you just continue to pray for him. He's okay. He just uh, needed to stay home and, and get better. Amen. But I know without a doubt, he's watching online, and he's wondering why everybody's probably doing this. And I kind of find it a little bit funny, because usually we're all crying, it's too cold in here, amen? And now, <laughs> and those that like the air, they're really crying, but I'm telling you, it's hot in here, but we have a little issue with this, the air system, I'm not sure what's going on, but uh, if your faith is, if you have faith, you can pray that that air conditioner starts working, Amen. Glory to God. And I guess for the first time, I'm thankful for this one that's on right here because I do feel a little bit of air. <laughs> Praise God. I thought I, I went to the restroom and loaded up with paper towels in case I was going to have to wipe myself silly because it is hot in here. But um, God's good. Amen. So I'm thankful for this duct tonight. Praise God. Amen. How many are ready for the word of God tonight? Amen. You know, I want to encourage you as, as Brother Dwayne was encouraging us all to be a part of this uh, revival this weekend. You know, it starts on Friday night, but listen, it doesn't start at 7 p.m. It starts at, at, at 6.30 in that prayer room, amen? And I'm going to tell you something. It's not to be seen. We don't go to the prayer room to be seen uh, unless, you know, we're, tr of course, trying to disciple someone, encourage somebody how to pray, but we go into that prayer room so that the Spirit of God can be in this place with us, amen? When we go to God in prayer, God begins to move. He begins to open doors. He goes before us, and he begins to do a work, and, and, and I know we're already preparing in our, in our prayer life for this revival. We've been praying for it, asking God to do mighty things, amazing things, and, and invite somebody this weekend, Friday at 7, 6 o'clock on Saturday. We have a discipleship for men at 1030 in the morning on Saturday, and again, we'll have service on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock, and I promise you it's going to be powerful, amen? I've known Pastor Bland for many years, uh, matter of fact, uh, a lot of years, amen. I was a little kid, a little boy in the fellowship when, uh, when we met him. And, and I'm telling you something, God was, uh, he's always done a great thing in him. So we're excited to have him this weekend. And I promise you, I know without a doubt that God is going to do something powerful in your life, amen. That is, if we come with a hungry heart to receive from God, amen. So let's prepare ourselves for that, and let's just believe God that, you know, as we come into prayer on Friday night at 7, 6.30 in, in the evening, 6.15, you're welcome to get in there early and begin to pray and just begin to call down heaven. Hallelujah. God is going to do a miracle. How many can be honest and say that you need God to do something in your life? You ever just get sick and tired of being sick and tired? Amen. Something always going on in life. There's sicknesses. There's all kinds of things that happen in our lives. And, and, and really, it's trusting God, just believing that God's going to help us through the times of trouble. Amen. And I believe that tonight. So I want to minister for just a few minutes, uh, if I could. I promise you I won't preach too long tonight. But I want to minister, and the title of my message tonight is, is Don't Compromise with Satan. Too many times in our lives, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody else and probably the chief of all sinners, I feel like at times. Anybody else feel like the chief of all sinners? Yeah. Amen. I, thank you, Paul. I appreciate that. Amen. Paul and I, we feel like the chief of all sinners. Amen. And uh, the rest of you are just saints and you're just perfect. And, and I'm glad to be a part of you because I'm learning. Hallelujah. Amen. But I know without a doubt, there's times where we feel so unworthy in the kingdom of God. 
And, you know, it, it, there's a time maybe you say, well, I was, I, you know, prophesied upon as a young person. And God said, I, you know, I remember my mother saying, son, God told me when you were a little boy that you were going to do great and mighty things for him. And all my life I heard this from my mom and even in the times of trouble when, when I was rebellious and I was out there doing my own thing and, and uh, just doing what I wanted to do instead of what God had and his purpose for my life. Amen. But now that I'm a little bit older, I, I look back at those days when mama said, son, God has a call on your life. You're going to do great and mighty things for him. That doesn't mean I'm going to stand in a stadium, although she did quote one time, you know, she said, I see you in a stadium and, you know, everybody, we have dreams and visions of things. And the Bible says that, you know, our young people are going to do mighty things for God. But, you know, I, I've, I've, I've preached in many big places, but that's not what it's about. It's about the very small details of life that God is doing in my life. Amen. He's using me on a daily basis in every aspect of my life. It doesn't have to be this, this uh, glamorous, uh, uh, you know, uh, spotlight ministry where, where, you know, you're just the greatest thing in the world. Because I'll be honest with you, that doesn't feel good as well. Amen? Because then, you, you know, people begin to treat people different because of a, a spotlight ministry or wherever the case might be. But, you know, I want to be known as somebody who loves God and someone who has lived for God and served God and sacrificed a lot of things in my life so that I can please God. Amen? How many want to please God tonight? I want to minister for a few minutes out of the book of Judges, chapter 16, verse 20. If you have your Bibles tonight, let's turn to that. If not, we do have it on the screen tonight. So let's go ahead and read Judges, chapter 16, verse 20. And it says, And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. And, you know, just a few weeks back, I used this same exact uh, scripture and this, this very point. And, and, you know, I'm preaching all over the place, so I don't know where I preached it or what, 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 what I said exactly. But I do know for a fact that there comes a time that we do not even know that the Lord hath departed from us. You know, this isn't just a Bible story that we read about a man named Samson. This isn't just a, a great story that we learn that is, is translated to every single one of our lives today. There, there, we don't live any different than this man has lived. Maybe the circumstance might be different. Maybe the situation is a little bit different. Maybe you didn't have a, a, a lust problem for a woman or, 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 you know, this thing didn't happen here or there. But we were all known and called a child of God when we give our lives to Jesus Christ. And what happens is people prophesy over us and, and people look up to us and, 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 and they see us as a man or a woman of God doing some great things, great feats for God. And that is the situation that happened here. In verse 20 it said, but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. You see, Samson was a man and we know as we, we're going to read a little bit, little, little bit deeper into this, in the, into this passage here in just a moment, but he was a man who was set apart by God. He was born a child of promise. He had a promise that had been put over his life. He had been, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I can imagine as a little boy, you know, where, where everyone always told me that I'd never amount to anything in life. And, and you know, you've heard the stories, I'm sure, in your home and, and growing up. Uh, you, you're never going to be smart. You're always going to be at the end of your class. You're always going to be this and always going to be a struggle. Can I get an amen? 
But you know, my God says different. He, he, you know, he says, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, the way we were raised because sometimes because of the way we were raised, we think we have to live under that umbrella for the rest of our lives. Oh, I was poor. My family was poor. And, 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 and so I have to live miserable and I have to fight for everything I get because, you know, my, my, my mom and my daddy, they fought for everything that they have. And they've done it all their life. But I got news for you. God says, uh, he says, I bless you. He says, I pour my spirit upon you. Hallelujah. You know, and it's an encouraging thing, as you notice tonight, as we were worshiping God. We weren't just standing there with our hands like this and just saying, Lord, you know, I don't know what's going on here, but this is kind of cool. No, we were entering into his presence because the spirit of God is, is very contagious. When God begins to move in a place, when God begins to do something in our lives, there, there becomes an excitement in us. There's something that gets down inside of us that says, I don't want to be like that anymore. I want what they have. I want to do what he's doing or what she's doing. And I know I can do it. Even though the whole world has said, you can't do it. Amen? I stand here before you as a statistic of the world. The, the, the whole world said to me, you know what, you'll never amount to anything. I've had them stand up in college classes. I've had them stand up uh, in my school and tell me, you're, you're not related to me. Don't you tell anybody you're related to me. Your family was a shame to our family. They, they said that to me right in front of class. You know, I have a choice in that very moment. I can put my head between my legs or put my tail between my legs and I can walk off to the corner of the school grounds and cry about it or I can lift up my head and say, no, uh -uh, I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. Oh, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Glory to God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. And here we see in this man's life, he was called to be Israel's deliverer. What a promise that this man had. It was spoken upon his life, the leader of God's people. And then we read in Judges chapter 13, verse 2, 2 through 5, the scripture says, Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the valley of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. You know, what a great promise this was to a family that, that you know, just realized that, hey, you know what, this child has a call upon his life. Even before he was put in the womb, you know, there was, there was a, a word that was spoken. It was a blessing that was spoken into this family's life. And here we have, you know, we see that God wanted to use Samson to defeat the enemies of Israel. It was a powerful thing. It's a powerful story, especially to understand that this man would have so much might and so much strength that he was going to help, he was going to help defeat the enemies of Israel. He was called by God. He was a man who was given a Nazarite vow while he was still in the womb. 
That's like a mama praying over her baby. You know, Pastor Bland, the one who's coming this weekend for this revival, he has a granddaughter that was born, I, I believe, how old is she now, D? Two and a half years old, but this young lady, they told her, that they told the mother, they said, this baby will not walk, this baby's going to have problems, uh, this baby had a disease that all of its bones were broken, they could see it in the womb. And all of this was going on in this woman's body. But I tell you what, that woman, she put her hands on that baby, glory to God. She began to walk around and say, oh, this child belongs to the Lord. Hallelujah. This child is a blessing of God. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Hallelujah. She began to talk to that child. She began to, to, to just prophesy life into that baby. And I'm going to tell you the truth. And I, he may even share his testimony of that miracle. But God healed that baby. And even the doctors were saying uh, there is no way that this was even possible. This baby is supposed to fall under every single one of these lines, uh, the statistical lines that says there's no hope. Uh, he's not gonna, she's not going to make it. She may not even live. But I got news for you today. That baby's running around all over the place. Hallelujah. And God did his miracle because God said it. Glory to God. You see, Samson had good parents. They feared God. I was talking to a lady yesterday, one of my clients, and, and uh, you know, I was talking to her, and she says, well, you know, we let our child, we let our son, she was I mean, just really talking to me. And I, if she's watching tonight, I'm not mocking I'm just telling the story of what goes on in the world today. But she says, yeah, my, 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 we, we let our kid tell us what church we're going to. And I just let her talk. And I was just listening. But you better believe, you know me, I was ready to say something. And I said, ma'am, I got news for you. My kids were raised on drugs. We drug them to church. Every service we told them, come on, we're going to church. Matter of fact, it got to the point now we don't even have to tell them. Now, Destiny, it's your job to get him to church. Amen. But we're still dragging our kids to church. We live uh, for going to church. Hallelujah. Because I got news for you. If I'm out there doing something else, uh, I'm not happy. If I'm out there trying to please somebody else, guess what? Uh, then God is not getting the glory. And I understand it. I could be witnessing. I could be telling somebody about Jesus. I could be doing something great for God out there as well. But there's nothing in the world better than coming into the presence of God. Hallelujah. Where we can come in this place and lift our hands together as a one accord group and just begin to worship and praise God for who he is and what he's done in our lives. Hallelujah. You know, his parents were godly. His parents prophesied over him and, 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 and believed that, that there was hope for him and that God would do great and mighty things in his life. They taught this man. As he was growing up, they taught him things. But the problem is they compromised and gave in to his every little whim. They compromised. It's getting a little bit quiet in here tonight. Because as parents, we compromise sometimes. Uh, we give in uh, and, 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 you know, we just let it happen. You know, you, you ever hear these parents, they're counting one, two, three o'clock, four o'clock rock. You know, sometimes I just want to say, you know what, why don't you just count to 100? Don't you do that again. If you do it again, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do that. The kid can tell you exactly what you're about to say. They know that there's a compromise in your life. You say, well, were you that mean of a parent? You better believe it. We were mean. But we loved our kids. We raised our kids with love. You, you know, listen, if we're not perfect. We are far from a perfect family. I got news for you. Breaking news. If you haven't met us by now. 
Amen. We're a different breed of people. And I believe it started with me, but hallelujah. My wife got the good genes, amen? But that's okay. We love the Lord. We have a passion for God. There's something in us that, that you know, even though we have our problems and, and the, the devil torments us with sin as well as he does you, and, and we have to overcome in these areas of our life, uh, but it's because we have good parents uh, who speak into our life, uh, who do not compromise, uh, who do not uh, allow certain things into our life. Yeah, you can have your girlfriend over. It's no problem. We're going to run to the store while you and her watch a movie together. I might as well just write stupid across my forehead. Because your child is going to give you a long list, a grocery list, and he's going to want you to shop for quite a while. Yeah, Mama, can you get me, but, but make sure you read the label on it because it's a certain type of milk that I can only drink. It's going to take you about 20 minutes to find it, but it's over, you know, over there, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's not over there. It's really somewhere else. But the truth is, is we as parents want to compromise so much just to please our children. All right, Holy Ghost, I'm going to say it. It's like when we're, we, you know, we raise our kids and, you know, my kid, they're going to be the greatest. I thought, oh, Landon's going to be the greatest football player ever on this earth. He's got quick feet, man, a big boy. You know, he's going to do wonderful. And we just thought, you know, it's going to be awesome. But in our minds, we knew that, that practices were on Wednesday nights. And we told the coach of the football team, no, actually we didn't tell him. We told Landon to tell him that I'm going to church on Wednesday nights. So I'm not going to be here. And the coach said, well, if you're not here on Wednesday night, you don't play. Okay, your rules are if I'm not here, I don't play. Glory to God. But on Wednesday nights, I'm not going to be here. But, you know, in today's world, it's just amazing to me how, you know, we open a new chapter in a brand new book and it says, you know what, let's make these kids happy. And I got news for you. The kids are smarter than you are, although I know everything you do, because I ask questions. You notice when I ask you questions, it's all reverse psychology. I'm trying to get somewhere. I'm trying to hear what's going on in your life. And guess what? You're so crazy. You just tell me everything. And you don't even know you're telling me. But it's okay. I don't beat you down for it. I pray for you. And I love you, and I encourage you. And Pastor, he prays for you, and he encourages you, uh, and he strengthens. We wrap our arms around you because we love you. It's like these parents that Samson had. They loved his, their, their child, but there was a compromise that happened. Samson's first recorded decision was to get him a woman from the camp of the Philistines. That's his very first thing he asks for. He says, Mama, Daddy, you know, these women that are here with me, they're, they're not good enough. There's no beauty in these women here. Oh, there's no, there's no, uh, I don't feel anything. You ever heard that? I got news for you. It's not about how you feel. It's about letting God put the right person into your life. That's why we tell you, start now praying for your wife. You say, well, I don't have one. No, you don't have one, but you start praying for her now. Lord, bless my wife. Protect her today, God. Bless her, God, financially. Protect her as she drives to work today, Lord. I don't know who she is, God, but you do. Begin to believe and trust, amen? See, the Philistines were the enemies of God, who God wanted him to defeat. Amen? And they tried to convince him otherwise. 
Verse 3 in chapter 14 says, Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the, the, the daughters of the brethren? Or among any of my people that you must uh, go and get a wife uh, from the uncircumcised uh, Philistines? See, there's a compromise happening here. There's, the, the parents are saying, son, really, are you really telling me this? I got to work on not talking about my kids when I'm preaching because they get mad at me. Landon forgives me, though. I said, Landon, go and get her. Go and get her. But he wasn't chasing somebody from elsewhere. He was within our family and our fellowship. Amen. And I said, Landon, oh, I'll tell you what. Let God do what God's going to do. Hallelujah. And yes, there's always a price to pay. Yes, there's always a battle you're going to go through. There's always something that's an obstacle in your life to get you where you need to go. But when you trust God and when you do what God has called you to do, I promise you, oh, the blessing is greater than we can even imagine. Hallelujah. Look at him today with a precious family, married. I mean, I was talking to Pastor Blake, and I, we, sometimes we, we cry over text when we're talking to each other. And the other night, we were just sending texts back and forth, and I said, who would have ever got I'm getting all teared up thinking about it right now, and I'm sure he is watching right now. And I said to him, who would have ever known this many years later that my son would have married one of your daughters? Here we've served on the mission field together. Here we both have a very similar story. Here, I mean, he left Costa Rica, him and Carla. They come here to, to start a church in Texas, which is this church in a different building at a lot smaller scale. Hallelujah. They come here, and my wife and I and our four children happen to be there. And God just used us to step in and take that church. And I mean, it's just amazing. And we're talking like this back and forth and sharing this wonderful, powerful story. This is the same exact story that Samson had prophesied over his life. It's just a different person. It was Pastor Blake's story when his mama prayed and prophesied over him when, that he's going to do great and mighty things for God. Uh, even at times when you don't see it, when you're in the midst of the battle and you're in the struggle, maybe you're even in a rebellious state of your life, but God is at work. Hallelujah. And God is doing something powerful in every single one of our lives. But look what he does. He brings us together. It's a full circle where it all just came right back to where God is doing what he's doing in all of our lives together. Hallelujah. You know, that compromise, God, he used this accusation. Well, he used the, the occasion, sorry about that, to move against the Philistines. Nevertheless, compromise in the smallest form will eventually lead to bigger compromises. Amen? A small compromise turns into many small compromises or maybe even a big compromise. Will get you to a place in your life where it, it's overwhelming. The, 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 the consequences of compromise. I want to read something to you. Lowering your standards weakens your character. Write that down. Lowering your standards, it weakens your character. Hurts uh, your personal testimony. And it hinders your prayer life. Compromise will also corrupt your thinking. Because you're not in the game. 
you're outside the game trying to figure out how to get in it. And even sometimes when we're in the game, we're trying to figure out how to get out. Compromise will get you to a place where you're hurting. It'll corrupt your thinking. And while you may believe that you're making uh, uh, accommodations in just one little area, every aspect of your life will be affected. Man, you ever tried to just work on one little thing? And all of a sudden, it starts changing everything. And sometimes, it's not a good thing. We're in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing the wrong thing, and, and we're, trying to, uh, we're trying to compromise. We're trying to figure out how we can get away with this. How, how can this fit my lifestyle? Because I'm a cool cat. Amen? Because nobody else knows what's happening in me. Nobody else sees where I'm at. Nobody else. Let me tell you something. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro. It doesn't matter what we see in this place today, although we see a lot. It doesn't matter, but God, he sees it all. Amen? For example, once honesty has been breached in any type of form, it becomes easy to stop upholding the truth elsewhere. Amen? You see, if you have compromised on a principle that, it should, that should have been non-negotiable, you may cease to think in terms of right and wrong. <laughs> now it all just becomes right. Because, oh, I have arrived. I am here. Oh, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Ain't nobody going to see what I'm doing getting away with here. And it's just, it just all seems to be right. And it's so right until one day... You know, it's easy to say. I, I was talking to uh, somebody. Uh, my wife and I were in a mattress store. We were looking to buy a mattress, and, and there was a police officer in there. I says, hey, would you mind tasing me? He said, I don't know if you want that. I said, no, I've had it before. It's okay. I, I, you know, and I began to tell my testimony a little bit, and I'm, I'm a pastor and, and all this. I said, but you know what? I have a testimony. I used to be this, but God saved me, and I was messing around with him, having a good time with him, but I really don't want to be tased. But, but one day what you'll do, because of your big mouth, is, you know, what if the man would have just pulled his taser out and got me good? I didn't think about it in the moment, but I thought about it very much afterwards. At least there were some nice soft beds all around me that I could have fallen into. I mean, if you're going to ask to be tasered, at least ask when there's beds around you, you know, where you can fall down in a nice soft place. But it wasn't the smartest thing to say. I was trying to find conversation. I was trying to, you know, just talk to this man. And sometimes my foot goes so far deep into my mouth, I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what the next line is. And it doesn't always have to be that way, man. You get yourselves in a very difficult place. I found a quote. It says this, it is better to die for a conviction than to live with a compromise. Amen? That's powerful. Samson's compromise can be seen over a 20-year period of his life. It was a long period of 20 years until he sleeps with this woman who was a prostitute. And after ripping apart a lion... Listen to this. This man was a man of, of strength and, and strong man. Here he comes, he comes back later and bees have made a hive in the carcass of this animal. And he grabs some of it, violating his vow to God. We all know, eventually, hooking up with this woman, Delilah, here he is, he gets with this woman who, who set him up for a 
a, a failure. Amen? Now, don't start looking at yourself. You know, am I setting somebody up for failure? No, this is a Bible story. We're reading this wonderful, amazing story that we can all understand very well. This man was seduced. It was a seducing spirit that grabbed him, that, that, that he had no control in his own life over this situation. Amen? But Samson, we know he did great things, great feats in his life. He tore the gates of the city off the city of Gaza. In the Bible, you can read and you can study deep in this. It talks about, you know, these gates weighing over 1,000 pounds. These are big, massive gates. Not just any man can walk up and tear down, but this man was a man of, of strength. He was a man of power. He defeated a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. I don't know anybody in this room that would just really like to walk up to a jawbone of a donkey and pick it up. Maybe a couple here barely sitting over on this side. Daniel and Landon, maybe. Are you a hillbilly, Daniel? Yeah? Daniel's knew him and his wife, Kaylee. Is that right? Kayla? Caitlin, that's right. Man, I messed up again. Glory to God. Get to know them. They're good people. Amen? But I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes, you know, we don't understand these things. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the feats of strength, the jawbone of a donkey, and to be able to defeat these men. Captured 300 foxes. You can read the story. Tied their tails together. Put a torch and let them loose to burn, uh, burn up everything around them. These, I mean, you know, some of this stuff sounds very strategic. Very understanding. But Samson's fall, it didn't begin in the lap of Delilah where he shook himself. Do you understand what I'm saying to this, morning, this evening? It did not start right there in the very moment of when he fell. It started 20 years earlier in the little compromises in his life. You see, when we fall into a trap, when we get to a place where we feel like we're too deep into our circumstance or our problem or our bad attitude or, or just being ugly to people, whatever the case is, uh, we, you know, it didn't just start today. Maybe somebody did something to you years ago that really hurt you, that really vexed you, that really bothered you. And as we hear it said all the time, and pastor says it all the time, but hurt people hurt people. People who are vexed, people who are bothered, people that are, you know, you see these people that are out there, these, these killers, uh, it's because there's so much hurt in their life and they feel so bad for what they've done and how they've lived their life and no one has brought the simple gospel of hope. The simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Judges chapter 16, verses 21 through 24. Then the Philistines took him and put his, they put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a, a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had began, that it had been shaved. Now the Lord, the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, to, 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 to Dagon their God. And to rejoice, and they said, our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, 
the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. You see, in verse 22, it says, we need to understand that the hair of his head, it began to grow again. Amen? Samson, his head was shaved, his eyes were bored out, his strength was gone. I believe the most important part of it all was that God's presence was gone in his life. Gets to a point where the, the, he has no power anymore. He was at the top of the world in strength. At the top of the world in, in what God had called him to be. But at this very moment of his life, he is the presence of God has gone. Grinding at a mill as a slave in a prison. Right there in the story. Judges 16, verse, chapter 16, verse 25 through 30. So it happened when their hearts were merry that they, that they said, Call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison. And he performed for them, and they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women, and the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, O oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. And verse 30 says, Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. You see, this is a picture of the cross of God's forgiveness. You know, no matter what we're going through today in our lives, I want you to know that God loves you so much. You know, everything in the world could be stripped from you. You know, I hear people tell me all the time, I have a, uh, one of my guys in Phoenix, he tells me, he says, you know, you don't understand. He says, he says I, I, I feel like I have to get above everybody else in the world. And I have these business meetings with these guys, and I'm, I'm sitting there telling him, I said, let me tell you something. You don't have to be above anybody. You just have to serve God, and you just have to live for God and let God trust that God is going to bring you to a place where you need to be in your walk with him. You know, so many times we're trying to do everything our own way. And it's so simple and so easy to understand or to forget that the thing that Jesus Christ did for us, he gave his life so that we could be set free, so that we can be, uh, have peace in our minds and have joy and love. And listen, it's not about our circumstances in life. We need to understand that today. It's about what God is doing and this picture of the cross of God's forgiveness for all of our lives. Someone once said, Jesus not only died for the sins of the sinner, but also for the sins themselves. He died so that you and I could be set free, so that we could be delivered, 
so that we can have peace in our minds, so that we can wake up in the morning and lift our hands up and just say, Lord, I just love you so much. I'm so grateful, so thankful, Lord, for all that you've done for me. You know, God may not restore you back to where maybe you used to be. You say, well, when I wasn't saved and I was doing all this, I used to make all kinds of money. I used to live my life, and I never hurt for anything. We could buy anything we wanted to buy because we were doing this or that, and God, not God, but, but the world provided. And then all of a sudden, we give our lives to Jesus, and there's a struggling process. There's a time where you walk through some dry land, and, and, and God's shaping and molding you and putting you through a place. And God's saying, I'm going to put you around the right people. I'm going to put you in the right place so that I could begin to do in you what I need to do in you. You know, because sometimes, and I'm going to be honest with you, we get in a place in our lives where we're just complacent. I've been there in my life, in my, in my marriage, our younger years where I rode the shirt collar of my wife. She hated going to church without me. Because everybody would come up and say, where's, 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 where's Mario? This was way before ministry days. This is way before I would even vacuum a floor in the church with an attitude. This is just come in and go. Barely say hi to one or two people and walk out the door. Sunday morning, the Denver Broncos are playing. I'm up in Denver in Mile High Stadium. My wife is in church. Everybody's asking, where's your husband? She'd come home. I'd get home from the game all happy because, of course, that's all we did is win back then. And she would say, I hate the Broncos. I hate the Broncos. Tears just flowing down her face. I'll never forget them. It was a part of my change in my life because she wanted more for me of what God had for me. And all I cared about was the cares of this world. Chasing money, chasing this, chasing that. And I didn't start making money, honestly, until I released all that and let God be my provider. I quit chasing money, and money started chasing me. What a concept. Isn't that an amazing concept? I don't have a lot. You can't rob me. She don't give me none. But what I do have, silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, let me tell you something. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed in this place tonight. You know, I know without a doubt that there are some struggling people here tonight. You're here. Praise God, you're in church. You're, 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 you're here. You're happy. You're, you're, you're being touched. God has spoken to your life tonight. And if God can use the jawbone of a donkey, God can use me. He can use me. And if God can use me, he can use you. And if God could use you, he could use those that you love. Those that have been prophesied over. You know, we don't have to live our life a grouchy old cuss all of our lives. 
we can stop and say, you know what? I see the big picture. Yes, this is what I used to be. This is what God is doing in me. And, and now I'm going to just surrender and just give it all to him. Because I've tried things my way. It's like Lot's wife. Lot, Lot's wife, she, she had to go and put a tent up so she could see the city. The city of sin. She couldn't let it go. And she turned to a pillar of salt. Listen, you and I tonight, we have hope in our lives. And I want to ask a very simple question, a very serious question tonight. You're here tonight, you say, I'm not right with God. I'm away from the Lord. But I want to be right with God tonight. If that's you, just lift your hand up all over this place. Put your hand up and put it right back down. Praise God, I see these hands. How many more? How many more all over this place? Just put it up, put it right back down. Praise God. The Spirit of God is moving in this place. You know what? We are not perfect people, but we do serve a perfect God. And He will help you. You say, Pastor, I'm, 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 I'm away from the Lord. I, I'm, I'm miserable right now. I don't know what, whether I'm coming or going. I'm just, I just need God to touch me tonight. If that's you, just put your hand up. You say, I'm depressed. I'm, I'm dealing with some anxiety. I'm dealing with some things in my life. If that's you tonight, amen. Praise God. I, I see these hands. I see these hands. I want us all to stand to our feet this, this evening, if we would. And I want to make a call. Those that you lifted your hand up tonight, I want to pray for you. I promise not to embarrass you. I'm not going to do that tonight. That's not what we are. But I do want to pray for you. And I want you to make that public confession to God to say, Lord, I need you as my Lord and my Savior. And I'm ready to surrender to you today. If you lifted your hand, I want you just to come stand right down here. Matter of fact, as you begin to come, just, just come on down. Come, come on down, buddy. I want to pray for you. Please, come on. Bring your wife with you. Come on down. Landon, oh, you, you, you got to play. Can you come down with them, Landon? Mike, come on down here. Mike, come down with them. Praise God. Ma'am, in the back, would you please just come? I want to pray for you. Please, just come on down. I want everybody else in this church, I want you to walk down and, and just come to these all. Turn around. Face me. You're okay. Just face me right here. Keisha, come on down here. I want everybody else, just come on down to these altars. We're going to pray in just a few minutes, but I want to pray this prayer is a general prayer. For all of us, we're all going to pray the same prayer. We're going to surrender our lives. We're going to repent of our sins. And we're going to give our lives back to God tonight. Amen? That means everything that we were when we walked in here tonight, when we leave, it's going to be completely different. Did you hear what I said? You might have walked in here dragging their feet. Like we had a dog one time. I'm, I'm telling you what, you could hear this dog walking all through the house. I'm telling you what, we had to get rid of that dog because she drug her feet everywhere. And it annoyed me so bad. I said, honey, we got to get rid of this dog. And sure enough, we did it. But, you know, sometimes we are like that dog where we come in and we're just dragging our feet. Woe me. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. The whole world's against me. We don't know what's going on. But God says, I have a different answer for you. He's like, I got a different answer for you. Tonight, we're going to walk out of this place champions. We're going to walk out of this place. See, the ring already, the, the, the bell already rang. We came into the ring earlier tonight when we got here. We started praying this evening, and, and, and the, the bell was rung. Hallelujah. And now the, the fight is over. And matter of fact, it's going to be over. The knockout punch is coming as soon as we pray this prayer. And we're going to walk out of this place victorious tonight. Amen. Let's all pray. Let's bow our heads. If you would lift your hands up before the Lord and repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father.
I invite you into my life to be my personal Savior. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Make me a brand new person. I need hope. And you are my hope, Lord. I surrender to you right now. I give you my life. I ask you to save me. Deliver me. And set me free from every bondage, every sin, every tormenting spirit. In the name of Jesus, I am your child. And I will serve you from this moment forward. And I give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Now I want you to shout unto God. Put your hands together and thank him. Thank him. Say, Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for delivering me. Oh, thank you for caring for me, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Here I stand in your presence, oh God. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.